0: Hi everyone and welcome back to the Dan Draper podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in again today. I really do appreciate it. Today's guest is an absolute cracker who is a real mental health advocate. So really buzzing to get chatting to them. Uh, Thank you to Plight Club for sponsoring the episode. And remember the first rule of Plight Club is that you do talk about it and you really open up the conversations around mental health and the struggles. Make sure you check out their website. You can get 20% off using the uh, discount code DanDraper20 on all the t shirts that are on there Um, and again you can find me on Instagram at the Dan Draper podcast you can find me on Twitter at the Draper podcast you can find me on Facebook on the Dan Draper podcast and again if you'd like to get involved with the show I'd love to hear uh, your stories and to have a chat with you you can email me on the Dan Draper podcast at gmail.com so Danny Bowman would you like to introduce yourself sir?
1: Yeah so uh, I'm Danny um i'm head of campaigns of parliament street um i'm also vice chair at male voice but most importantly i've also had my own experience with uh mental illness um which was really difficult throughout my teenage years and i'm very uh very excited to talk to you dan about it
0: oh mate thank you so much i know that it's been a real struggle to try and match diaries and stuff so i really do appreciate you coming on <laughs> so how's things man anyway how are you uh how are you finding lockdown at the minute i know that you're you're at uni at the minute aren't you
1: yeah i am yeah it's it's really difficult i mean i'm, I'm in york at the moment and it's uh it's it's pretty rainy and dreary outside but i'm just trying to kind of path my way through whilst um whilst not looking too terrified at them two five thousand word essays that i've got to do you know um oh. but other than that it's it, it's good it's good I'm, I'm remaining focused and uh trying to go for a walk every day which is uh which is pretty nice
0: yeah, and around York is beautiful as well. I haven't been since I was, you know, just, uh, just, just a kid, but I remember it being
1: absolutely stunning around there. It is. It's absolutely beautiful. I mean, I've been here pretty much nearly four years, and I still can't get by how beautiful it is. Obviously, the northeast of England is the most beautiful, uh, where I'm originally from. But uh, but other than that, it's uh, it's definitely second place. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, um, so yeah, thank you
0: so much for for coming on uh, today. I, as I, as I said, I really do appreciate it. Um, let's take it way back, as as we do with with every episode. Where is it that you would say that your um, your struggles began? Where where is it that it kind of
1: was the pinnacle moment for you that you were like, okay, this is it now? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was where I was around fourteen years old, um, and I just joined a new school. I was really excited. Um, I played rugby. I was, you know, I was a pretty normal kid. Um, but then things started to change quite dramatically. Um, I started to kind of look at everyone else and I just didn't feel I really kind of fit, fitted the mould. Um, everyone seemed better looking than me. Um, everyone seemed to have girlfriends. Um, and everything just seemed so much better for them than than for me. Um, and then, unfortunately, I started to stare at myself um, a lot more. I started to look in the mirror Um, and I just felt like I didn't really fit that mold. Um, so I started to spend extra hours in the mirror. I started to try and perfect my appearance and the number one mistake I made was then starting to try and get validation from other people online. Um, I took a couple of pictures of myself and posted them online. Um, and unfortunately from that, um, people started to critique it in a, in a pretty nasty way, focusing in on um, my weight, um, my skin, um, just generally the way I looked, my, even down to my hair. Um, and obviously that made me feel um, incredibly lonely. Um, and it kind of, instead of validating me in, in the way I wanted it to, it kind of validated that my worries about being ugly. And that then pushed me down a trajectory towards spending hours every day in the mirror um, and it started at like two hours a day in the mirror, up to five hours, and then it started to get up to 10 hours a day in the mirror. And I just was spending so much time worrying about my appearance and becoming quite depressed at the same time that I couldn't even maintain focus in class. I couldn't even be in the school. So unfortunately, at 16 years old, I, I had to, you know, sorry, at 15 years old, I had to drop out of school. Um, which was really difficult for me because I'm quite the perfectionist as well. But my mental health just got so bad um, to the point that I just couldn't focus in the classroom. And that kind of pushed me towards being housebound um, for around six months um, and just spending that time in the house on my own. I mean, we talk about lockdown at the moment. I mean, it's, for, for me, it was kind of like that, just spending time all the time in the house. I couldn't leave. Um And I just spent up to 10 hours a day in the mirror taking hundreds of pictures of myself, editing my appearance, ripping my appearance apart every single day um, without knowing what was wrong with me. Um, and that developed into a really acute mental health problem, um, which unfortunately reached, reached crisis point.
0: Yeah and that's that's incredibly powerful and thank you so much for opening up about that because I think that it's so key because you see a lot of kids now that are in school or um, I mentioned it on a previous episode but you know I watched a documentary recently that was on Channel 4 and it was talking about um, kids as young as six dealing with mental health issues um, and it is because of how society is now you know whether it's um, social media based or whether it's you know celebrity based and you need to constantly compare yourself to someone or something like that it's it takes a massive toll. So do you think that you know with social media, obviously it affected your school life when it came through, but do you think that that was the main catalyst for you then
1: having to drop out of school? I think it's important to 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 recognize there was a probably a pre-existing issue there, um, but I definitely feel in my case that social media um pushed me down a trajectory um that I m- might not have gone down if um if it hadn't have been for for being able to kind of post photos online and and get them responses as as quickly as I did um so yeah I definitely feel social media but also the comparing part I was spending you know hours every day kind of looking on social media and everybody seemed to be living a better life than me everybody seemed to be you know um taking better pictures than me all of these different things um acted as a real catalyst towards me um becoming so insecure about myself um but also generating a, a a pretty acute mental health problem that was uh that unfortunately led to a crisis point um at the end of that six months
0: yeah and it's it's you know it's amazing that you're you're so open about that as well and you know one thing that i wanted to ask you um was when you were going through that process um you know, can you tell us a bit more about, I think it's really important for for, for everyone that's listening. Can you tell us about your body image insecurities and, and uh, which ultimately then led to what,
1: you know, what we've spoke about off air, which was um, body dysmorphia? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, at 14 years old, I think it's important to say that I was I was a rugby lad. You know, I was I was quite a, a, a built guy. Um I wasn't necessarily what you'd see as an idealized image of, of what perfection was so I, I think I started to to become quite concerned about about that um and and I wanted to change it and and that took the you know the the frame of kind of focusing in on every part of my appearance I was specifically worried about my skin um even though everyone told me I had no spots I was worried that I was I was getting spots at every point so I'd use a full uh, tube of spot cream on my face every single day, um, which obviously made it drier, which obviously then reiterated how I was feeling. Um, but probably one of the most detrimental things, my weight as well. Um, unfortunately, when I became housebound, I started to um, reduce my food intake uh, and any food that I did have, I purged. Um, and, and and that became really detrimental, not just for my mental health, but also my physical health. Um, but that that fixation on, and I think this is one of the most important things about BDD as well. It's such a lonely illness because you're spending so much time just fixated on how you look, um, what's wrong with you, um, and unfortunately that fixation um, became too much. And I'm not embarrassed to say I think it's very important we we talk about these things. But you know, imagine every single day spending ten hours a day in the mirror, zooming in on your appearance. You know, taking hundreds of photos, purging your food for six months every single day, um, and unfortunately, that that got to crisis point um, six months down the line. And I remember laying on my bed and just wanting it all to stop, um, wanting it all to to go away. And unfortunately, I did something. You know, sadly, I I tried to take my own life because it just became too much. It just became too much, and I think the mistake I made very early on was not speaking about it you know i I, i've talked before about both my parents being mental health professionals ironically and i always say i'm the mental one um but you know like trying to speak to them trying to to communicate i just didn't do it um and unfortunately because of that it went down a, a pretty sad trajectory
0: Yeah, that was, that was something I was going to ask was, you know, when you were going through that time, and obviously, you're, you're out of school at that point, obviously, you would have kept in contact with some of your friends and things like that. But how hard was it to try and reach out to someone to talk about it? Because I can only imagine that really, you know, picking yourself apart for for that much time and looking at insecurities, because I remember when I was in school, and I was quite bad um, when I was younger with with things like acne, as you as you do when you go through school and and things like that, and your body's changing. And I remember, you know, looking in the mirror and just thinking, "Why, why is this here?" I was just so confused. Like, "Why is this here?" I looked really horrendous, and blah blah blah. And you know, it's now it's now that I can grow a beard, which hides some, <laughs> but <laughs> but it's yeah. I think you know when when I was in school, you got all my you know more than sort of I wouldn't even say how old because it makes me feel really old but um but yeah it's just it it just really I I was picking myself apart so I completely understand where where you are and I mean when I first started secondary school I had a bit of you know a bit of chub on me as well and it wasn't until I then started football and rugby and getting into you know more things like swimming and stuff like that that it started to to drop off um but I really, again, like, you know, I had to I had to watch what I, yeah, I, I wasn't, you know, purging um, or anything like that. But you you do look in the mirror and you think, oh, like, you know, you need to, and even now, like, I look at a chocolate bar and I put on about four pounds. So <laughs> I'm really, I'm really looking now, at, at you know, what I'm able to do. But yeah, sorry, going back to, I'm going on a tangent there. But with, um, with you know, when you were going through that, process how hard was it for you to reach out to someone you know like you said if your parents were in mental health and and you found that a bit more difficult did you reach out to anyone else
1: no i i didn't um because you can you know you can quite imagine the idea of talking to some of your rugby mates and saying you know look lads i'm worried about the way i look you could just imagine going into the changing room and saying that and the response you'd probably get within that um, environment Um. So I unfortunately I didn't reach out um, to anyone. I kind of went through it alone, um, and and like I said, even even for my parents, I think it was it was it was really difficult to kind of reach out. Partly because I didn't want to to worry them, but but also on the other hand, I, I kind of felt I didn't really see this as something that I should be experiencing. It, it was a body image issue. Men don't suffer from body image issues. It's it's a it's a female issue, um, so I think there was a sense of of um, shame about it too, that I felt. Well, this can't possibly be happening to me, and it shouldn't be happening to me, um, which I think acted a, acted as a real barrier to to getting the help I needed um, much earlier on. And like I said, unfortunately, that led to a, a crisis point. So I think the key message from my story is speak up as soon as possible um you know get the help you need um because if you don't unfortunately it can end up in the case like like it did for me where you know I, I ran out of options
0: yeah absolutely and I think as well it's so important what you just said there about speaking up about it because I remember when I was in uh either in school or after school um you know I was playing football for years and years I got into rugby when I was in in school um but never never took it up you know in terms of playing for clubs and stuff I'm still very active within the rugby community back home um but you know I I found that you know even even now that for me the rugby community are so much so much more accepting of where you're at with mental health and and that side of things rather than some other sports that are out there um and yeah, it's it, it, it's it's just so tough to to open up to people because like you said, there is that s- still, that macho kind of edge to it where you need to be, you know, you're a rugby player, you're big and strong, you don't open up and, and things like that. And it's so key that you do because I think that like you said there, you know, if you go down that route and the similar route that you went to, then it's going to be so detrimental to so many people because if if you were to take your own life, not you specifically, but if you were to take your own life, how many people does that then affect? You know, it's 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 crazy just because we can't talk about it and we need to keep, it, you know, we've got this real male machoism stigma around talking around mental health and especially body image. So that's why I'm so happy that you've come on today because it really is just such a key message that if you are feeling a bit rough, and if you're not in the right headspace, or if you are developing symptoms of body dysmorphia, then just talk about it and go seek, you know, professional help around it
1: as well. Absolutely. And I think it's it's vitally important. And as you talked about the rugby community, I think it's got much better. And I think it's, it's, it's moving in the right direction. Um, but definitely, I think it's so vital to speak about these things. Because as I said, because I didn't speak about them, you know, I always look back and I think, you know, if I just if I just reached out to my parents, or if I just reached out to um, my rugby mates, would it have gone down the way it did? Would it? Would the trajectory have um, changed slightly if I'd opened up? And I've come to the conclusion that it probably would have. Um, and I probably would have got the help I needed early. And I probably would have got the, the care and support I needed. Um, but I didn't. And that is something that I'll, I, I do regret um, not doing much earlier on.
0: And gentlemen, if you're listening, speak up, <laughs> yeah, guys, speak <laughs> just, up, speak up, Just do it. So, um, so Danny, how is it that you then turned it all around then? how what what was that pinnacle moment that you just then went right? i need to I need to seek help here, and you know what how you then went about after what you went through?
1: yeah, i'll t- I'll tell you it wasn't a linear trajectory, just going from you know zero to a hundred. Uh, It was more, you know, zero to 10 and then back to zero again sometimes. But, um, yeah, I I luckily got support from the Maudsley Hospital in London. Um, Fortunately, there wasn't necessarily the support locally. So I had to go to London every day, um, every week from Newcastle, um, which was good. And I got exceptional support from the Maudsley, um, which helped me kind of look at my image differently. helped me reduce the anxiety i felt around my appearance and also some of the some of the kind of thinking around that um some of the background thinking as well so from that i started to get better um after 12 sessions i started to feel more confident um but it took a couple of years before i started to get back into education um but from that i i decided i really wanted to campaign on this it was something that was really close to my heart i'd seen the Impact on my family, um, and I wanted to do something about it. So, um, as well as getting back into education, I started a campaign with the the, the charity Fixers, um, and started to to talk about body dysmorphic disorder. Um, and, you know, quite, quite, you know, luckily from that, I it went viral, um, and I was able to to talk to lots of different people about my experience. Uh, with BDD and hopefully help a lot of a lot of males out there. Um, But then after that, I started to started to become even more confident. Like I said, it wasn't a linear line. I I fell backwards um, quite a lot of times. Um, But I started to get the confidence to talk to more people. And I got involved with Parliament Street, um, which is a political think tank, um, and started to run kind of their mental health campaign um, and really talk about Uh, some of the key issues um within the arena such as um you know access to services different things like that um and that just built my confidence further and then i like i said i started to to get back my education newcastle college where i originally um got my gcse's back and a levels back they had fantastic mental health support which was which was amazing um and suddenly i was starting to feel confident again um and then from that Um, I did a diploma and here I am at the, at the University of York. So, you know, I'm very lucky that things kind of, you know, fell into place. And a lot of my, I don't know if you want to call it success, but a lot of my success and recovery has been because of other people, um, you know, the, the support at Newcastle College for mental health, the, my parents who have, I don't know how, have stood by me every step of the way. Um and you know my friends who've who've been there all through it so i'm very lucky but the reason i'm kind of where i am now um, is definitely because of other people and not necessarily because of because of what i've done
0: yeah and i think that i i it's so important that you surround yourself with people that are going to keep constantly making you better um you know whether it's friends whether it's family just kind of cut that negativity out and just be like right this is where i need to to go with it and I think that it's so key because I wouldn't be where I am now without the support of uh, people that you know love me and want me to to excel in, in what's going on and just release this stigma so it's vitally important. Um, so you mentioned they're obviously doing the work for, for Parliament Street but I also saw recently that you did some work with the Mental Health Foundation is that
1: right? I did I did some work with Mental Health Foundation it's a it's a, it's a great foundation um, and I did some stuff around body image um so um talking we did a couple of things um i wrote a, a blog for them um but also we uh recorded a video last year um around my story um but also the kind of the wider implications for for body image with social media and things like that um but also on top of that we we did a committee um hearing with uh the Women inequalities committee um talking about the impact of social media on Um, young people's mental health um, which was which was really really good Um, and I think as we widen that conversation as we start to get um, more young people on board and more young people talking about it we can hopefully have an impact and to reduce um, the the difficulty that social media poses to the mental health of, of young people so a lot of these different things was really good and I'm grateful to the to the Mental Health Foundation for for taking me on for that.
0: Yeah, and it's it's absolutely key, and I've said this a couple of times that we know, we need to get mental health training into schools, and we need to recognise it a lot quicker. Because something that I took from what you said previously was actually a ray of sunshine when you think about it. Is that when you said that uh, Newcastle College had great mental health facilities, that's music to my ears. Because you you know you then think about well, if they're doing it, then what other colleges in the area are doing it and then what's the national approach and then if someone else is feeling that they need to do more mental health support you know it's little hot spots that can pop up that would then just mean that it's a a mass thing in the future that's just completely blanket across the UK or even the world you know but definitely in the UK for us because we're not very good at talking about mental health in general but yeah I think that it's so
1: so important that that you know that this gets into schools and we go from there. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, use me as a case study. Seriously, if you look at me as a case study, I was a a kid who was terrified about even being in a classroom. And I went to Newcastle College. And because there was the mental health support there, because they, you know, if I needed support at any time I could get it, I was able to get my GCSEs and get my um, diploma um, and end up at university. So it just shows the impact. And if, if if it has that impact on me, believe me, it'll have an even greater impact on and everyone else so you know if you introduce mental health support you're completely right dan um in schools you will see the results and young people will be able to succeed um because of that so i think that's really important
0: yeah thank you man um Danny, just to wrap it up then, one last question, as I always do with the, uh, with the show. What advice would you give to anyone who may be in a similar situation to how you were feeling at the time? And, you know, how, what, what words of wisdom can you say about coming through the other side?
1: I think th- there's a couple of things. I think be patient with yourself. Um, don't get annoyed at yourself. Don't get frustrated um, because maybe you're not making the progress, you know, you think you should be making in your recovery. Um, you know, unfortunately, as I said, it's not a linear line um, and sometimes you'll have setbacks, but just keep going and never giving up um, and you will recover. You can recover from mental health problems. It's possible. Um, and the second thing would be speak up. I know it's I know it's a really common thing to say, but it's so vitally important. And I hope in, for what I've shown from my experience is that actually speaking up can can mean that you get the help you need eventually. Um, But also the risks of not speaking up. So if you are feeling down, if you are feeling that you may be suffering from BDD or any other mental health problem, do speak up um, because it will enable you to get the help you need. Um, And it's honestly the bravest thing you can do, especially to to lads watching. The bravest thing you can possibly do is speak up. Um, So so please do it.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much, man. That's such a important, important message. And like Danny said, guys speak up please (laughs) we're in the middle of a a pandemic at the minute we need to keep talking and keep connected absolutely
1: absolutely yeah but um but I just want to say thanks Dan for for having me I've I've been listening to actually some of your some of your podcasts and they're they're absolutely brilliant and honestly they're they're not only really enjoyable to listen to but they're also helping lots and lots of people and really getting the discussion out there so it's a well done on your work because you're doing great.
0: Oh, mate, thank you so much. That's amazing. That's uh, really lovely to hear. And this is why I keep doing it. I keep doing it to have these conversations, to keep building, uh, you know, a platform for people to come and chat and, and to release that stigma. So honestly, that really means so much to me. So thank you. Danny, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really do appreciate it. Um, We will definitely be keeping in contact uh, because there's possibly a few things that we can work on in the future, um, which have just sprung to mind. So yeah, mate, thank you so much. And thank you again for being so open and honest about your, your journey.
1: It's my absolute pleasure. And thank you for having me guys that was Danny thank
0: you so much to him um, you can check him out on all of his social medias I will put them in the episode links and tag him in everything on my Instagram so make sure that you check him out um, thank you again to Plight Club for sponsoring the episode uh, remember the first rule of Plight Club is that you do talk about it so make sure that you're having those conversations like me and Danny have been saying this whole episode um, and you can also as I said you can get 20% off the t-shirts using the Dan Draper 20 discount code on no, the purchase um thank you so much to everyone for listening you can find me on instagram at the dan draper podcast you can find me on twitter at d draper podcast you can find me on facebook on the dan draper podcast and again if you would like to get involved with the show i would love to hear your stories you can email me on the dan draper podcast at gmail.com thank you so much for tuning in and i look forward to speaking to you again soon cheers guys